As you know, uh, this year, 2019, our theme has been evangelism. And every month during the year, uh, we've, <coughs> we've been trained in uh, how we can better share the gospel with those around us by the different roles we take on as we come alongside people and uh, how we share the gospel message. Uh, you've been given opportunities to invite people to uh, different events and services as well as to take the gospel to people. And so and this year has been all about trying to help us become more effective in telling people about Jesus. Like the choir just sang, you know, with, you, know, you can have many things in this world, but the only thing that will ensure our eternity with God is to know Christ. And so we want to think as God's people, how do we best share Christ with those around us? And so this morning, to better equip you to share the gospel with those around you, I'm going to be taking you over the next several weeks through a sermon series entitled Learning Evangelism from Jesus. And one resource that's been really, really helpful for me as I've been preparing this study is a book by Jerem Bars entitled Learning Evangelism from Jesus. And so I'll be pulling some insight from that book as I walk through this series with you uh, over the next few weeks. And this morning I want to take you to an encounter that Jesus had with a woman, in, a Samaritan woman uh, in Samaria recorded in John chapter 4. Verses 1 through 26. And as I make my way through this passage, as I read through it, I'm going to stop along the way and kind of share a little bit about what Jesus was doing and how he was sharing truth with this lady at the well, and also how we can maybe glean some insight in how we share the gospel with those around us. Around us. So look with me at John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. John tells us, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now I want to stop there for our first lesson. You know, John tells us in verse 4 that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Now, Jesus was traveling from Judea, which was in the south, to Galilee, which was located in the north. And I'll, I'll give you a hint of what city lit, lied you know, between the, uh, the two places. Samaria, right? So you had Judea, Samaria, Galilee. Now, if it was me and I was mapping out my direction, because you've got to remember, they're walking back in that day. And if I'm going from one place to another, I'm picking the shortest route, right? I don't know about you, but I'm the shortest route. That's the way I'm going, especially if I'm walking. However, uh, that's not the way the Jews would normally travel from Judea to Galilee. And the reason they did not do that is because they wanted to avoid the Samaritans. Because of this hostility between the two people groups, between the Jews and the Samaritans, the Jews would normally go around Samaria either to the east or to the west, even if it meant adding distance to their walk, they would avoid Samaria if at all possible. Just to give you some idea of the hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans, consider this early Jewish, Jewish saying. They said if they met a Samaritan walking along the road, they would rather walk in the ditch so that their shadow would not cross the shadow of the Samaritan. I mean, they just did not like each other. Okay, so the Jews would go around Samaria 
to avoid any contact, if at all possible, with the Samaritans. But John tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And I believe that one of the reasons Jesus had to go through Samaria is to have this encounter with this woman at the well. Because with Jesus, you know, there, there were no coincidences. Everything He did, He did under the guidance of the Holy Spirit in perfect obedience to the Father. He lived intentionally to do the Father's will. And so what can we learn from the intentionality of Jesus? Well, as followers of Christ, you know, we're told in Ephesians 5.16 to redeem the time. And in Colossians 4.5, we're told to make the most of every opportunity. And so each day, I think even for us, we should be living with that same type of intentionality to do what God would want us to do. We should be uh, praying, have an attitude of prayer throughout the day. God, would you use me today? Who will you take me to? Who, what divine appointments will you give me today? That I may do what you want me to do. Say what you want me to say. Go where you want me to go. This was the intentionality of Jesus. And we need to have that same type of intentionality to live intentionally for God. And seek ways that we can share His love with others. So now let's pick back up in verse 5 and let's finish reading about their conversation. Verse 5, So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And John just makes sure you understand why this was so strange. He says, For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, 
I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So Jesus goes from asking for a drink of water to revealing to her that He's the Messiah, the promised one to come. And now in order to have this conversation and to move from, will you give me a drink of water to, I'm the Messiah, uh, Jesus had to overcome several barriers. One barrier Jesus had to overcome was the race barrier. Like I mentioned before, the Jews and Samaritans did not get along. And the reason they didn't get along was that the Jews saw that the Samaritans were a mixed race. See, the Samaritan people came from the intermarrying of the northern tribes of Israel with the Gentiles and formed this people group known as the Samaritans. Barr states in his book that in Jesus' time, the Jews hated the Samaritans even more than they despised pure Gentiles, for they regarded them as polluting the blood of the patriarchs. And so you, you see them labeling, okay, this is, this is, Samarit- this is Samaria, this, this is the place where the Samaritans live, those people. And so we need to avoid that category of people. And the thing is, we all tend to categorize people, don't we? We all, we all tend to put people in categories either because they are similar to us in some way or different than us in some way or maybe they possess some trait. And so we categorize people. You know, you're a Jew. You're a Samaritan. You're a Gentile. You're white. You're black. You're Asian. You're Hispanic. You're American. You're an immigrant. You're wealthy. You're poor. You're athletic. You're book smart. I mean... We take all these categories and we put people in these categories. And not all categories are bad. But these categories become bad when we try to put people in these categories in order, in order to avoid them. Or in order to try to make some excuse for why we should not love them or serve them or get to know them. And that's exactly what was going on in here. And Jesus looks past the categories in order to see this woman as someone made in the image of God, loved by God. And so we need to be more like Christ, follow His example, and seek to love and serve those who may not look just like us, or talk just like us, or live just like us, or even believe just like us. We need to see beyond the categories and see people as loved by God, as image bearers of God and overcome these barriers so that we can take the good news to them. Another barrier Jesus had to overcome was the religious barrier. You know, religion was another point of contention between the Jews and the Samaritans. I mean, there was disagreement about what was the Word of God. They disagreed on what books belonged in the Old Testament, what what we should follow. There was disagreement on where you should worship God. Was it Jerusalem or was it on this mount, Mount Gerizim? And so there was religious tension there, disagreement. But notice that Jesus didn't allow her differing beliefs to prohibit him from getting into a spiritual conversation. You know, they get into a pretty deep discussion about her relationship with men. And then she actually makes the transition to the com- in, in the conversation to God. And then they talk about the nature of true worship. Uh, Jesus tells her, 
you know, the time is coming where you will worship God in spirit and truth, meaning that it won't be confined to a location. So he talks about the, the true nature of worship. And then picking up that, that he's talking about, you know, one day that God's going to do this. She, she begins to unpack her understanding of what God's going to do through this figure called the Messiah. And then Jesus takes that conversation even further and reveals himself to her as the coming Messiah, the one who has come to save the world. So Jesus didn't allow her incomplete and even false belief system to keep him from getting into a spiritual conversation and taking her from where she was to proper understanding of the Messiah. And so I wonder, you know, when you think about having spiritual conversations with others who may have a different faith than we do, you know, do you hesitate? Do you hesitate to get into a spiritual conversation with someone who believes differently than you do? You know, you may say to yourself, well, you know, Ron, they already have their religion. And so there's really no need for me to try to talk to them about Jesus because they already have their religion set in their mind. But what you need to realize that unless their religion includes proper understanding of Jesus then their religion, at the very least, is incomplete, and at the worst, is wrong. And we should not allow someone else's faith, their belief, their religious beliefs, to prohibit us from entering into a spiritual conversation. If anything else, we should see that as common ground, that we both have a belief that we're trying to understand and live out. Use that as a common ground, as a springboard to get into a conversation about who God is and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. A third barrier Jesus had to overcome was the gender barrier. You know, although gender discrimination is still present today, it was much worse in the first century. In his book, Barr writes this. He says, at that time... Jewish rabbis or teachers did not have women as disciples. Women were not allowed to be witnesses in court, for the rabbis considered women to be irrational and untrustworthy. In fact, there is said to have been a prayer of the Pharisees in which they thanked God that they were not Gentiles by praying, Thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile, but a Jew, that I am not a slave, but am free, not a woman, but a man. But in spite of the gender barrier, Jesus engages this woman in respectful conversation. Barr continues and he writes, Who better than Jesus to show by his example that women, designed and created by him, are the full equals of men? That every woman in this world is just as fully the representative and bearer of God's image as is every man. Jesus loves to honor women by asking them to bear witness to him. Just as he called two women, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, to be the first witnesses of his resurrection. Unlike his contemporaries, Jesus trusts the witness of women. He is eager to meet this woman, for he gladly calls women to faith and discipleship. You know, as followers of Jesus... We need to see that the gospel is for everybody, no matter what gender they are or claim to be, that God loves people and he wants them to come to know Christ. 
And so we should not allow social norms to override the truth of Scripture that Christ died for everyone. And therefore, we need to make the gospel available and accessible to everybody. And this may mean that we have to cross some barriers that are put up by our culture. A fourth barrier Jesus had to overcome was the barrier of sin. You know, the woman came to the well at a time by herself, most likely because she was a social outcast. You know, most of the time people would go to the well in groups, not only for safety, but it was more of a community event, right? A communal event. But she goes by herself, most likely because she is a social outcast. She has had several husbands, and the man that she is with is currently not her husband. And what you need to realize is in the first century, it was very easy for a man to divorce a woman. Extremely easy. And this would leave a woman in a very vulnerable position. And it would be very tempting for a woman who had been divorced by a man to try to enter into a relationship with any man that would have her in order to survive. I mean, it could be a survival method for a woman. Now, we don't know exactly what happened between her and her husbands. We don't know if they died, if they divorced her, but we do know she had several husbands and the one that she was currently with was not her husband. It could have been the state of her society, the choices of her husband, her husband's, or perhaps her own choices that led her to the place where she's in this relationship when she meets Jesus. But notice that Jesus doesn't uh, tell her that you know, your relationship choices are okay. All your relationship choices are okay. He doesn't do that. But what he did was that he revealed her situation and even her sin without her feeling rejected or condemned by him. What he was able to do is he took a major area of her life and he was able to talk about it in such a way that led them to start talking about God and the Messiah. Isn't that what we want to do? I mean, we, we don't want to get so focused on the specific behavior. But we want to move people to the God who loves them, who sent His Son to die for them, and who offers them life in His name. You know, here's the thing. We cannot expect people that do not know Christ to live like they do know Christ. Right? So don't be surprised when those who don't know Christ are doing things that you don't do. Even doing things that may, maybe you never would dream of doing. Okay? That should not surprise you if they don't know Christ. You know, we should follow Jesus' example and not pretend that sin is okay. I'm not saying we should do that. But at the same time, our primary focus does not need to be to get them to behave. But our primary focus needs to be to introduce them Christ. You know, I recently saw a quote that illustrates this idea well. It said this, you know, waiting to come to the Lord until you get your life cleaned up is like waiting until you get the bleeding to stop before you go to the emergency room. You know, think someone has to get their life cleaned up before they come to Christ is like, you know, getting a severe fatal wound and saying, you know, I need to stop this bleeding before I go to the hospital. It's like you're flipping it. You got it all wrong. You don't change your life, then come to Christ. You come to Christ and allow Him to change your life. And this is why our primary focus as believers 
is to introduce people to Jesus, not just simply try to change their behavior. You know, we don't pretend that sin is okay. But what we do is to help people know that the remedy of their sin is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this was the approach of Jesus with the woman at the well. And I believe it should be our, our approach as well. And so in this in- encounter, we see that Jesus was intentional. And He crossed over four barriers to have a gospel conversation with this woman. He crossed the race barrier, the religious barrier, the gender barrier, and the sin barrier. And here's the thing. You know, it's possible. It's just possible. Just, just consider this. It's possible that we have created barriers between us and those around us that keep us from engaging with those who don't know Christ. You know, maybe there are some people around you that don't look just like you or talk just like you or believe the same as you do or even live like you do. But the question is for us as followers of Jesus, are we going to move away from them? Or are we going to move toward them and cross barriers so that we may tell them about Christ? You know, if we're going to share the gospel, just think about this. It's kind of obvious, you know, here. But if, uh, if we're going to share the gospel with those who don't know Christ, guess what? We're going to have to cross barriers to talk to people that don't know Christ. You know, my friend, my friend Ed Reese, I know... Ed knows Ed. Um, I don't know if it's because you share the same name or what, but uh, my friend Ed Reese, who's the pastor of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church on Wheeler Road, has a sign by the entrance of their church. And the most recent message on the sign read something like this. He says, if all your friends are Christians, you're missing the point. (laughs) That's right. Because how are you going to tell people about Jesus if everybody already knows him? If all your friends are Christians, you're missing the point. So how are we going to share the gospel with those around us if we never get to know those who don't know Christ? So let's learn evangelism from Jesus and cross barriers so that we can take the good news to those around us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this encounter that Jesus had with the woman at the well that teaches us so much about your heart for people the mission that You sent Christ on to seek and save the lost, and this mission that You're calling us into to see the extension of the Gospel reach every tribe, tongue, and nation. Lord, help us to see barriers that either we set up or maybe our culture sets up that keeps us from engaging with people, loving people, ministering to people, and sharing the gospel with those around us. Lord, I pray this week that we would be intentional. That we would seek to cross barriers. So that we can learn about those around us. And even help guide them to Christ. Would you help us to learn evangelism from your son? That we may take the good news to those in our city. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.